0: Welcome to the Jill on Money show. It is Thursday, January 20th. If you guys only knew how the sausage was made in this highly tuned organization called Jill on Money, I think you'd be shocked. But anyway, uh, I am delighted that you are joining us uh, and we are getting deep into January. I don't know about you, Mark, but all I can think about is I've got my sights on March. I'm not even thinking about February. I'm thinking about March. Why? Why? No, I am not thinking about tax time. I'm thinking that I'm actually, I didn't even tell you this. I'm getting on an airplane. I'm going to Florida in March. (laughs) Mark, you know what? You're, it is true as of, I think I'm going to be okay by March, but my partner is receiving a big award. I'm going to be there for that. And, and I, I, you know, listen, it would be nice to be warm again. That would be lovely. Anyway, today we're going to try to plow through some of your emails. I know that the the messages pile up. If you want to try to skip the line a little bit, what I encourage you to do is to take the email you did send us and forward it again, or just hop onto the website, jillonmoney.com, hit the contact button, say you come on the air live, because that's really what we're trying to do is we're giving preference to people who will come on the air live, mostly because it's more fun and because it's a better interview. Today, we are starting off, though, with our email segment, and we're going to start with Timothy. How do I get to my target number in six years? Okay. So Timothy wants to retire from his corporate job in six years. He says, at that time, I will reach the age of 62. But I am concerned about making my target for retirement nest egg amount at that time. The number I'm hoping to reach is about three and a half million. Our worth is currently about two point one million. That's fixed and liquid assets minus liabilities. How do I achieve that goal in six years, given where I'm currently at? Okay, let's see where they're at, Mark. They've got. uh, They live in Western New York, and their home is at let's say uh, 430,000. They just owe $17,000 on that house. So that's going to get paid off pretty quick. They've got a car loan, 20 grand, a small equity line of credit, 1,400. And Timothy makes about $155,000 before New York taxes. The number goes up two to 3% every year. But as I mentioned, I only have about six years left. My wife was earning maybe $12,000 a year in a part-time office job. But the job is ending at the end of the month. She doesn't plan on going back to work due to health issues and a desire to do a lot more home projects. That's good. In addition, I have a side hustle that pulls in twelve dollars to $15,000 a year. That could go up when I retire. Okay, what else? What do we got? We got a 401k. He's been maxing out. Uh, the value, $630,000. he has got bonds. He's got stocks. And it's about, let's see how I can read this. Uh, wow, it's... Um, Mark, this is a pretty heavy-duty stock portfolio, right? I mean, it's essentially 95% stocks, 5% bonds. He says he's got 45 grand in stock options, a frozen pension worth about 59 grand. He's got an IRA before he started working the corporate gig. It's worth $300,000. He started a new IRA a few years ago in the Vanguard Wellesley Income Fund. That's worth about 15 grand. He um, adds the max allowed to the IRA. And he's also got oh, a mass mutual annuity. I hmm, wonder who sold him that. My wife has a tier one public employee retirement package maturing in a few years, and it should pay 184,000. I think he means that's the lump sum. She's got an old IRA worth 52,000. She's got a SEP three um, thirty-three thousand. They've got a whole, some mass mutual agent went nuts on these guys because they have a whole life policy. It's death benefit of 52,000. He says, we probably have too much cash. I would say not considering how much risk you have. So whatever you think you have is too much cash. I'm guess, I'm guessing that you probably need it. They have, uh, let's see, 24,000 in a checking, 26,000 in the savings and 42,000 in another account. He says, oh, it's a lot of money worth not earning a lot. I don't know. It's like $110,000. He says, that's a lot of money earning nothing. I don't know about that because I look at that, Mark, and I say, that's $110,000, which is actually, thank God, because he has so much risk in his portfolio. Mark, how can Timothy get to uh, the $3.5 million number from his $2.1 million? What do you think? Yeah. So the question that Mark is raising is this, had you come up with a three and a half million dollar number? Where did that come from? In other words, did you come up with three and a half million because that's kind of what you wanted or is it based on what you need? I would really ask this question of you, Timothy. First of all, how much money do you need to live on? Okay. This is how I do retirement planning. What do I need? You got a couple million dollars saved. That's awesome. You know that you're going to claim your Social Security. You know that your wife has an old pension. I don't know whether she should actually take that as, as a lump sum. Maybe you should take that as a pension, a monthly pension. I don't know. But you've got a lot of money. And all that this really requires is you to understand what is your need and will the money that you generate cover your need? I don't know where three and a half million came up, where you came up with that. And so I'm reluctant to go into that. So no, you're not going to get to three and a half million in six years. Let me start with that. What you should be thinking about is what are my needs? How am I going to achieve that? If you're doing this any other way, just like general numbers, it's not based in reality. This is sort of an interesting question of like why we put these markers out there. Sometimes I think we just do this, you know, for the heck of it. Like, oh, I like that number. You know, I want a round number. And then you move the goalposts every time. And you got to be careful about that. So let's base this in what's going on for you. I don't know if I want to say this person's name simply because it's not a a name. It seems a very distinctive name. So I'll call L. How about that? The subject, are the fees in my retirement plan too high? Um, so, L writes, "I'm new to your articles and podcasts. However, after reading your article, the year's best books, and listening to a few of your podcasts, I felt the need to reach out. Oh, isn't that nice, Mark? I am a retired financial market novice who converted his 401k to an IRA held by the principal, who also held the old 401k. Recent information has led me to believe I may be losing money due to the fees being charged. I might also add." that the fund stands at $440,000. I've been retired eight years and do get required minimum distribution payments. Accordingly, my question is whether it's feasible at this date to consider moving the IRA somewhere that is more fee friendly, or do I just write it out? The fund has been profitable. I will turn 74 this summer. Hey, L, check it out. You can move this anytime. Now, the one thing I want you to just be careful about is because you are at the principal, I want to make sure that you don't own an annuity. If you do own an annuity, you can still do it, but I want to, before you start messing around with this, we want to make sure you're not going to be charged big fees for getting in or out of this annuity. So the principal is a life insurance company. And so as a result, a lot of people, you know, this is the whole game with big retirement plans that the companies it's a, it's kind of a crappy business because it's very intensive with labor and um, it costs a lot to run retirement plans. But the hope is that people like you will just roll over their existing plan into a new product and they make a lot of money on that. So uh, since you've been retired for eight years, I'm thinking there's probably no fees left, but I want to double check. You would be looking for something called surrender charge. If there is no surrender charge left, or that surrender charge is maybe 1% or 2%, um, then you may want to consider moving it to another family. And that family should be, you're right, cheap funds. And the cheap index fund environment is occupied by places like Vanguard, Fidelity, Schwab, TD Ameritrade, Tiro Price, E-Trade, all those places. That, that's where you're going to find really cheap funds and index funds. That's the, the way to go. Okay. So if you have a follow-up question, let us know. Okay. Mike wants to know, is it worth it to convert my regular IRA into a Roth IRA? I'm 62 years old and and was going to work for another seven years before I retire. I mean, this is we, this is one of those cases where we don't have enough information. Generally speaking, conversion, if you are in a tax bracket that is low enough, can make a lot of sense. But you have a few things to consider. Number one, we don't want you to use all of your available cash on hand to do this conversion. So if you have $15,000 in a savings account and $30,000 in a money market account, and that's all the cash you have. And you're going to soak up a lot of that money by doing the conversion. I don't want you to do it. But if you have plenty of cash on hand and you can manage this and if you can stay in a low-ish tax bracket, it can really work for you. So, Mike, do us a favor, um, follow up, let us know what the situation is, and maybe we can guide you. Again, more details, certainly better than less. Okay. Denise writes, I'm 58 years old and married, and I recently took a new job and had a big bump in salary. Ooh, I love that. Okay, Denise makes $130,000 per year. She's contributing 17% to her 401k, another 5% to a Roth IRA. So remember, she makes $130,000 and she's married. So what is that? I don't know how much the husband makes or the wife, but uh, the reason I ask that is that there are phase-out levels that you can use when it comes to a Roth IRA. So she says that she's concerned about these limits. Um, how much can she contribute to your for her 401k and Roth IRA in 2022? Okay, let's do this. Your traditional 401k, you can contribute $20,500. That's what you can put in for 2022 your Roth IRA you can contribute $6000 with an extra $1000 cuz you're over the age of 50 now here's we here we go she's um the husband makes 75000 okay so here we go so he she makes 130 and he makes 75 but i still think she's going to be able to do the Roth mark but here's the bigger question denise do you have a Roth 401k option at work because maybe that's one way you don't have to worry about how much you're earning and, um, and how much you're actually able to contribute to a Roth IRA, because with a Roth 401k, there's no income threshold that you have to work with. I'd have to really talk to you a little bit more about your situation to find out what your net tax, like what your adjusted gross income is, because again, the phase out range for Roths really is predicated on what your situation is in any given tax year. So I hope that helps. Oh, uh, Mark makes a good point. You can also make a catch-up contribution for your 401k, which is $6,500. Thank you very much, Mark. I appreciate that. You know, Mark, I'm just going to go to the website right now, just because I like looking at it, even though my big honker is still there. Um, It's so great. You guys did such a good job on this. Okay, anyway, go to jillonmoney.com, top right corner, contact us. And every time you click through to every single section, you'll be able to hit the contact button. When you click on that contact button, you see at the very bottom, are you willing to come on the show live? Yes, no. Also, uh, you know what else you can do? You can subscribe to the Jill on Money newsletter. Every single Friday, and, you know, all you have to do is put your email address in. Here's the thing. If all of you who subscribe to the podcast just subscribe to the newsletter, as I mentioned last week, you will make me look good to my publishing company. I'm writing my second book. So check out the newsletter. Go to JillOnMoney.com. Subscribe to the newsletter. Okay. It's uh it's another day in the can. It's January. I know it's a little bit weird times here. So uh, I want to tell everybody to try to put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Just, you know, a nice, gentle, like just right hands on your back. That's what my favorite Peloton instructor, Christine says, hands on your back. Remember that we have a mantra here, grit, growth, grace. Thank you for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow.